Let's pray. Hey, Father, we just thank you for your word. So beautiful. So powerful. Lord God, we just thank you for that opportunity this morning to just stand and worship of your name. Lord, you are just so good. So amazingly brilliant, Lord. Your works are just unbelievable, Father God, that you could save sinners like us and turn us into saints. Lord, can we ever repay you? No, we can't. But Lord, we just want to give our lives to you this morning. So Father, I just want to pray that your word would just fill us, Father God. Just complete us. Lord, transform us into the people that you want us to be. Thank you, Father, that each and every person here would just love you, Father God. They would understand how much you're in love with them. Lord, and know the grace and mercy and the power that comes from the Holy Spirit living within them. I just want to thank you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, a little bit trying to collect my thoughts, actually. Um, just, um, they've been undone in worship. <laughs> that was me this morning. Just God's so good. God is so good. He's just amazing. And this morning is just like as we're singing and just in his presence, just feeling that Holy Spirit talking and ministering to us. I just can't help but cry. Big suke. But, <laughs> but you know, as we've talked about that before, as you get older, the testosterone gets less. Thank, thank you, Ben. <laughs> so I see all you old fellas weeping out there. Um, yeah. So I just want to bring you greetings from Nullumboy, firstly. I was over in Gove last week um, and just spent some time with the guys over there. Had a men's breakfast, which went really well. Just loved hanging with the guys. And then they took me out to lunch, sort of. Well, I had to pay, so they didn't really take me out to lunch. <laughs> They took me to where I could buy some lunch. <laughs> then we had a barbecue dinner, so I was really well fed, and, and then Sunday, and had the Sunday service with them, and just, it was just so good, you know. Like, I don't know if you've ever found it, but when you're with people that love God, it's just, it's like you've just got that sameness of spirit. It's just, it's just really nice, you know, you sort of go anywhere in the world, really, and you sort of walk into family. It's just really weird but really good at the same time. That's exactly what God has done. He's placed us in his family as his sons and daughters and given us new life that, that we could live for him. And so I just want to bring you greetings from them um, and just say g'day <laughs> from Nullumboy. And just ask that you would just pray for the church over there and just have them in your thoughts. Like uh, this church is part of what we call the Baptist family of churches that's a nice way of saying it, instead of the Baptist Union of the Northern Territory because that just sounds too official. Um, and that's what we'd love it to be, that we, we think about each other. You know, I visited the Aboriginal communities a little while ago that are part of the Baptist Union and it's just, again, it's that, that coming together. You know, in the, in the cross there's no difference between anyone and that's really what I want to talk about today a little bit, that God just does not respect you. He's got no respect for you at all crazy right we all know he loves us we all know that he cares deeply about us in fact he loved us so much that he sent jesus but god just does not respect you does that sound a bit horrid in some ways it is right but it's actually true you see the word of god is just it's described as a two-edged sword in in um in hebrews in, actually, in chapter 4, verse 12, it talks about the Word of God and it says this, The Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, 
cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires, and that's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. You see, the Word of God is this amazing standard or force in our life, and as I talked a little, I think it was maybe two weeks ago when we were talking, uh, when I was talking, <laughs> you were listening, um, but how the Word of God can be so good to some people and so bad to other, peop- other people. Now, the word itself is good. It's always good. The word always brings salvation. But really what it's saying is it's our response to what God wants us to do. How have I responded to this word of God? You see, the word of God is true no matter what. And we talked about it in terms of, say, the decisions we make in marriage. If I follow what the Bible says about marriage, my marriage will just be the most amazing, powerful, wonderful marriage. If I don't, then it won't. God does not respect me for my smartness or anything else, but what he respects is the obedience I have to the word of God in my life. And that's why I say, read the Bible. If you're not, read the Bible. It is one of the most vital, important things that you can do to read it, to understand what God wants for your life, and then start to obey it. If I have a problem with anger, if I listen to the word of God, I can let it change me and take the anger away. I can know that I'm free from that, that I'm not an angry person anymore. Why? Because the word of God lives inside of me. It dwells inside of me. And that word of God is so rich and true that it actually changes my life in a way that I couldn't do it myself. The Bible says, put away anger. Put away malice. Put it away. It's like these things in our life that we have that are part of us that we think are part of us, but they're not. You see, a person who is born again, who's received the Spirit of God, is no longer that person anymore. In fact, it says that the Spirit of God lives inside of them, and it says that we have the mind of Christ. That means that our mind, the way we think, in actuality, is the mind of Jesus Christ. So why do we sin? We're not going to look at that today, except to say this, that it is not our nature to sin. If we are born again... If we have received Christ and we have been adopted into the family, the Bible says very clearly that you are no longer the person you used to be. You are to put off the old person and put on the new, which is created after Christ Jesus in righteousness. The decision is down to us, and God does not respect you no matter what you think. God does not respect you. He doesn't think more highly of one person than another. He doesn't think this person because they're smart deserves more than them. This person because they're rich deserves more than the poor person. Or even the other way around, that the poor person needs him more than the rich person. The word of God brings people together because it cuts through every class distinction, every sex barrier, everything that there is and says you are one in Christ. There is no longer free and slave, there is only free. Those who are in Christ Jesus have been free from the... It says, free from the lust and deceit of the world. We're free from it. We're freed from sin. And if you read the newsletter article this week, it talks about that. In Romans chapter 6, it says, we are no longer slaves to sin. That's the song we sang before, isn't it? And that's why I think I'm undone. I am so free. Sin has no grip on me. I don't have to do the wrong thing anymore. Why? Because it doesn't actually have power over me, but I have power over it. Unless, unless I choose to obey that sin. Unless I choose to. Our choice. 
because God does not respect you. What he respects is a person who wants to know him and comes to him and says, God, I'm nothing. I have absolutely nothing in this covenant that you've made. I've got nothing. What have I got to give you? God, you created the universe. God, you made everything. God, you love beyond measure. God, you need nothing. And here I am, a broken man, a broken woman coming to you, God, and all I've got is my broken shell of a life. Is there a better covenant? Is there a better promise available than than to say to someone, you, you have nothing, I have everything, but all I have is yours. Through my son Jesus Christ, all I have is yours. Is there a better covenant? Is there a better agreement? Is there a better promise that we can enter into? I don't think so. Everything. Everything I have is yours. You bring what you have to the table. Oh, well, I could bring a Mercedes Benz, a yacht, mansions, maybe even a billion dollars in the bank, but to God, that's nothing. You see, God owns everything. He doesn't need money. He doesn't need riches. He doesn't need wealth, and he certainly doesn't need advice. He knows everything. He is everywhere. He is God, and he is above all. Yet this same God has asked us into an into a covenant with him, saying, what I've got is yours through my son, Jesus Christ. I'm just going to read to you a bit of a song that Mary sang when she found out that she was pregnant with Jesus and what was going on. Because what I want to just point out this morning is that God does not respect you. God does not respect you. But there is something he does respect, which we're going to get to. So this is from Luke, chapter 1, verse 49 to 53, one of the Gospels in the Bible. Mary, the mother of Jesus, for the mighty one is holy, he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to who? All who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. God doesn't respect you. God does not respect you. Now, we might respect people in so many different, way, in different ways. Like I've already said, we, we respect people for their intelligence. He is so smart. She is so smart. We respect them for their ability. Man, that kid is good at sport. Man, that adult, I'm going to just worship this man who runs around the footy field chasing a bit of leather. He is a god to me. We might respect people that are amazing at their job, that are good leaders, and we're like, they are so awesome. Maybe it's people that are funny. We, we think, wow, you know, I respect them. They're really funny, the things that they do. Maybe we respect them because of their wealth. Oh, they've got so much. I'm in awe of Bill Gates because of his riches. God respects absolutely none of that. Mitch mentioned this morning that God doesn't need our praise. God is very secure in himself. God has got a very good self-image. He's not proud. 
but he knows who he is because he is God. And this is why God doesn't need to respect people. I think about parents sometimes and how they live their life vicariously through their children, like almost as though my kid's really smart, that makes me important. My kid got an award, that means I'm a great parent. My kid is so good at sport, that means I must be doing something right. And they brag about their kids, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. But God doesn't need that with us. And this is really important because you know what happens? If we start to just value people upon their abilities, intelligence, riches, whatever it is, then we, we are not giving them their true worth of who they are, who God has made them, who God has loved, who God has given his life for. You see, we all have different abilities and gifts and some don't have as many as others. But we so often get caught up in this, this state of worshipping things, I guess that's what it is. Feeling that we get our self-worth out of all these things. I'm beautiful, therefore I'm worth something. I remember the story of a model who opened the door to a knock and bang, shotgun went in, blew off half her face. In an instant, she lost her beauty. It didn't remain. The most brilliant minds in the world have become victims to Alzheimer's. They forget everything. It's gone. People with billions of dollars have lost it overnight. People that can run and jump grow old just like everyone else and soon they're reduced to a state of hopelessness in physical things. God is so secure in himself. God is so secure and he looks upon each of his children the same, each person that is made. He doesn't look at their abilities, their wisdom, their wealth, but what God says is this, I'm looking directly at your heart. Where is your heart? God does not respect people because of who they are or what they've done. But he is the discerner of the hearts and it's always been this way. There's a story in the Bible, one of the disciples of Jesus named Peter had this dream of Cornelius who was not a Jew at the time and God said, I want you to go and visit this man. And he said some very amazing things because at this time it was almost like Jesus was just for the Jews. But this salvation was about to break open to the whole world. The whole world would know that Jesus died for every single person. And this was such an important encounter that, that Peter had. He had this dream of unclean things coming down from heaven and God said, eat it. He said, no, it's unclean. And it went back up. It came down again and God said, eat it. He said, no. And God said this amazing thing because Peter was like, it's unclean. He said, don't you dare call unclean what I've called clean. The salvation that I've won is not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles. That's us, those who are not Jews, that Jesus came for them as well. And as Peter was talking about this experience to the other apostles, he said to them, sorry to Cornelius, First of all, Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think 
of anyone as impure or unclean. That's Acts chapter 10, verse 28. And just moving down to verse 34 to 36. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is a message of good news for the people of Israel and, and that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Peter had this real clear picture that God had no favourites and this is so important for us in two ways. Remember the two-edged sword, it cuts both ways. If I believe that I'm not good enough, the word of God says I am and I am accepted in Jesus Christ. If I think I'm amazing, the word of God will humble the proud and bring them down so that they understand that it is only because of Jesus Christ that we are saved. The Bible, the word of God, are two-edged swords that cuts both ways. What it's looking for is exactly what Peter is saying here. I've seen it really clearly. God shows no favoritism. God shows no favoritism. You see, no matter if you don't think you're good enough, you are. If you don't think your abilities are amazing, it doesn't matter. God is looking for the heart. The servants with the talents, the parable that Jesus told, he said, go and make some money for me. And he divided the the, the money each to their ability. To some he gave five, to some two, to some one. But according to their ability, God is not expecting you to be beyond who you are. But what he is saying is you better put your heart and soul into this faith that you have. Because when you do, that is when it grows. When your gifts, your talents, your commitment to me is invested in the kingdom of God, that is where growth comes. I don't care if you're smart. I don't care if you're stupid. I don't care because all it's about is serving God with all your heart and that is so good because no one's better than anyone else. God doesn't respect you. (laughs) He shows no favoritism. So while he doesn't respect you, he loves you wholeheartedly, no matter who you are. He thinks you are valuable no matter who you are or what you've done. I just want to finish up actually with some some words from Peter himself again. A lot of things have just been going through my mind, but I really believe God wants us to start being the people of God, who He's called us to be. Now, what I think that He's saying is this that there are some people here who don't do anything for God because they don't think they're good enough to do it. And God really wants to change that in your life. He really does. Now, there's other people here who might think they're too good to do things for God. I don't know. But this passage I'm about to read you is really important to listen to. Um, There's another passage in 1 Corinthians 3 that also talks similarly. But it talks about the works. 
that we do as Christians. You see, God doesn't respect who we are, but he does respect our works. He does reward us according to our works. It is really, really important that we understand that. And it talks about things of straw, wood, precious stones, silver and gold. And the Bible says really clearly that at the end day there is going to be a judgment and you're going to be judged according to your works. What does that mean? Does that mean I don't get heaven? No, it doesn't. Jesus paid the price for that. He said, listen, the salvation that I give you is free. This is a gift from God. It's not of man lest any man should boast. But listen very carefully to this. It says that when we get before God, we're going to be judged for what we've done, whether it's straw, wood, precious stones, silver or gold. And it says all the things that you have done as a Christian are going to be tried by fire, that there's going to be a burning up and you're going to be left standing before God with what you've done. Does it get you to heaven? No. Because what it says is this, those things that are straw and wood are going to be burnt, they're dissolved, they're gone. And there are some people here who might be doing that, might be living that way, and me at sometimes too. Where your Christian life is not committed and invested in God to build things of precious stone, silver or gold, but you are so busy just doing the minimum that you can do for God, living the most just over the line life you can for God, and God is saying, you're going to stand before me one day and you're going to be judged according to your works. Well, the works are going to be judged, not you. And it says, those that have built with straw and wood, you're going to walk through the fire, you're going to be saved, but it's as though you're going to be singed, burnt, and you're standing before God with nothing. And I want to ask you this question. How would you feel before God today when you look at what you're doing for Him, how you're living for Him? Would you be able to walk to Him with this offering and say, God, here is these precious stones. These are the things I've been doing for you. I've been living for you. I've been loving you. Here's the silver. Here's the gold. Or would you go, God, I don't know where it went. You know, God doesn't say good and faithful servant to everyone. He says good and faithful servant to the good and faithful servants, the one that live for him, that make their life count for him. We would like to think that we all get in there with good, good and faithful, but we don't. We really don't. That's just the bottom line. We get there. What are you entering heaven with? The works that you're bringing. The precious stones before God. Let's just read this and um, we get the musicians up, please. 1 Peter 1, verse 13 to 20. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back to your old ways. Don't slip back to your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy for the scriptures say you must be holy because I'm holy and remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites he will judge or reward you according to what you do so you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as 
temporary residence. If you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors and it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Some things to remember here, guys. Don't slip back to your old ways. We've been taken out of sin. Stop it. Stop it. Stop being angry to the point of rage. Stop being hard-hearted and be soft towards God. Stop lying. Tell the truth to your neighbor. Don't take part in the things of the world. Don't let it ruin you. Don't let it rot your mind. Don't get into filthy jokes and and rude things that just aren't godly. Be holy. For God who's called you is holy. And you can't be holy if God said you can't be, but he said here, be holy. It means you can. You can live this righteous life. Yes, we're made holy before him. But he's saying let that come out in your life. Be holy. Don't go back to who you were before you were saved. Don't slip back. Remember this, when you're living here on earth, you're a temporary resident. You're here today, gone tomorrow, like the flowers in the fields, like a puff of smoke. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our home. Looking forward to that day when Jesus comes again and takes the saints.